St. Matthew from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning does indeed come from St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and can be found on page 1509 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, they came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. Today, I want to share with you some thoughts about upcoming events. You know, no matter how you vote or plan to vote in the next election, there is one one tactic that seems to come up in every political campaign. That is that sooner or later, one or more candidates will ask us all to judge the other candidates by the company that they keep. They'll ask, do the other candidates have connections to corrupt politicians or lobbyists? Does anyone on their campaign staff have a questionable background. What special interest groups make donations to their campaigns? Do any of their family members exhibit personal problems, either public or private, past or present? What about them? To be sure, every candidate's organization will be out to find the skeletons in the other candidates' closets, and some will go so far as to make stuff up. As the saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. 
And of course, this does not only apply to politics. When we learn about a person's questionable companions, we, you and me, usually lower our opinion of that, that person. We often judge others by the company that they keep, don't we? Today's gospel tells us that Jesus also dealt with this issue. His opponents, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they did not like the company that Jesus kept. Jesus had chosen a tax collector to be one of his disciples. And if you understand just a little bit about the culture of that time and place, you would understand that this is absolutely incredible. You see, tax collectors were among the most hated people in the society. And even today, even today, tax collectors are not the most popular folks. But back then, they were fiercely, completely hated. History reveals that back then, tax collectors put in a bid with the Roman government for the right to collect taxes. And whoever was the highest bidder would then turn around and collect taxes from the general population in order to make good on that bid. So, whatever he collected, the tax collector, over and above the bid was his to keep. Now, strictly speaking, there was no such thing as corrupt tax since the tax collector had every right to squeeze whatever he could get out of the population. The tax collector could decide who was to pay taxes and how much they had to pay. And in most cases, the tax collector really stole his wealth from the population. But the Roman government didn't care as long as they got their money. So although taxation methods were often unethical and immoral, strictly speaking, they really couldn't be illegal, at least not by Roman standards or law. And then, of course, to add to that, the tax collector was acting as an agent of an occupying army. That is to say, the Roman legion. And that means that he was also a traitor as well as a thief. Further, the Romans were considered Gentiles by the Jewish people. And so generally they were, well not generally, they were ceremoniously, ceremonially unclean. You may remember that the temple authorities who brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate, they would not enter Pilate's house. They wanted to be ceremonially clean so that they could 
celebrate the Passover and by associating with the Romans, the tax collectors were also unclean. And the list of offenses that most people had against the tax collectors was long. That is the reason that the terms tax collector and sinner went hand in glove. They were together synonymous. So Jesus was already bucking the trend when he chose a tax collector to be his disciple. But then we read that Matthew decided to use some of his ill-gotten gain, his wealth, to honor Jesus with a dinner. And of course, Matthew invited all of his old friends to this dinner. He wanted his friends to meet Jesus also. So Jesus and his disciples, they they found themselves at a tax collector's house eating a meal with some of the absolute scum of society. And to make it worse, as if that weren't bad enough, We need to remember that the people in that time and place, well, they didn't sit at the table to eat. They lay on couches, long couches, next to low tables. And typically there would be three people reclined on each couch. This means means that when Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the sinners, he was laying down among them. And back then, eating... Dinner together was much more, much more of a personal experience than it really is today. Perhaps now you can understand the reason that the Pharisees were absolutely astonished that Jesus went to this dinner. And you can see why they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This simply went against the accepted guidelines for devout rabbis. So when Jesus heard what they were saying, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And with these words, Jesus tells us that he is a physician of the soul. And here Jesus asks us to compare his work as Savior to the work of a doctor. Now, if you go in for a routine physical and the doctor finds nothing wrong, he might say, well, you don't need to see me for anything. You don't need me for anything. I'll see you at your next physical. Now, if on the other hand, the doctor says, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm writing you a prescription and I want to see you again sometime next week. Well, at that point, you know something's not right. Doctors don't spend a lot of time with healthy people. But they do spend time with people 
who are the sickest. Now, there are many people who see Jesus lying down <clears throat> to eat with tax collectors and sinners, and they think that Jesus was validating their lifestyle. Oh, it must not be so bad. He's hanging out with my kind of folk, right? But nothing could be further from the truth. That is, Jesus was saying that they needed a doctor for their souls. He was saying that these people had a disease that needed a cure. He was saying that something was wrong with them, and he was there to fix it. And he offered a cure to these people. And the sad part of today's gospel is the Pharisees. That is, they too were sinners. They too desperately needed the mercy of God that Jesus earned for them on the cross. And unfortunately, they rejected the mercy that Jesus offered. They were like a seriously sick man who is too proud to admit that he is sick. This is the type of man where his family and his friends and his doctor, they love him. And they want him to recover. And they tell this sick man, they tell him that he is sick and that there is a simple cure for his disease. Something that is simple, that's effective, reliable, and has no side effects. And despite it all, this man, because of his pride, refuses to listen even to the point where he becomes angry at those who love him. And eventually his pride kills him because he will not admit to his disease. And in a similar way, the forgiveness that Jesus offers does no good for those who refuse to admit that they are sick with sin. The cure that Jesus offered to the sinners in today's gospel, it is the cure that he offers to all people. It is his body and blood sacrificed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And he took all of the sins, the sins of Matthew and his friends, and he took it upon himself. And there he satisfied the justice of God's holy wrath against sin. Jesus separated the sin from the sinner. One more time. Jesus separated the sin from the sinner so that God was able to condemn and destroy sin without destroying the sinner. You see how that works? His wrath was not against you. His wrath was against sin. And his son came to separate the sin from you, that he could destroy the sin and save the sinner. And instead of destroying the sinner, God offers mercy to you and to me. Christ's sacrifice on the cross is good for our sin also. It works for us. We, like Matthew and his friends, are sinful people. You know that, right? We may not have cheated people 
out of their taxes. But we've all cheated. We have all stolen. We have all lied. We have all been unfaithful. We have all murdered. And we deserve the same punishment that Matthew and his friends deserved. We need the same cure that Jesus offered in today's gospel. And we have it. As the Holy Spirit inspired John to write in his first epistle, in 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not just for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And Jesus still offers the same mercy that he offered to Matthew and his friends. He offers mercy to the whole world. He has the only cure for our spiritual disease. And we receive. We receive the benefits of his cure as the Holy Spirit shows our sin to us and creates faith that trusts in Jesus only for our salvation. Jesus is in the business of transforming things. He transformed the defeat of the cross into a victory over sin, death, and the devil. And when he rose from the dead, he transformed death from a door to eternal death into a door to eternal life. And he transformed sinners. He transformed sinners into saints. Now, the table fellowship of the first century Palestine was normally a place to solidify and reinforce the role of people in the society. For those of the upper class, table fellowship demonstrated their superior station in life. And for those of the lower class, it, it demonstrated their inferior station in life. And the meal was the event that made sure everyone knew their place. And Jesus changed all that. Jesus transformed all of that. Jesus reached out at meals to transform and convert people. Jesus used these meals as opportunities to reach out into the lost sheep of Israel. He used these meals to offer grace and mercy and peace to all who come. And with his table fellowship here on earth, he pointed to the eternal feast of heaven, that is the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And it is at this feast that we all, all who believe, we will recline with Matthew and his believing friends. And there, at the feast that is to come, we will enjoy eternal, perfect table fellowship with Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen.